Hey guys, and welcome to Against the Grain, a podcast where we discuss how to live differently and take the narrow path that isn't popular in today's post-Christian culture. Our goal is to look at life differently through a biblical lens to understand how God wants us to live in today's day and age. We talk about current topics millennials are facing today, not talked about in the pulpit, and what they mean to us as Christ followers. Hello and welcome back to ATG. I'm so happy that you guys are tuning in to listen. Um, Today I want to talk about something that is near and dear to all of our hearts, um, especially as Christians today. Um, It is dealing with people um, that have different opinions than you, dealing with all of the censorship per se that's going on, the cancel culture, um, and kind of where we should be surrounding those topics as Christians, where our hearts should be, um, how we physically need to respond to those who are around us, whether that be family members or friends, because we all have family members and friends that don't share political views. Um, we just live in such a diverse um, country right now that we all have very different views on things. And uh, a big problem associated with that is that we tag, even if we subconsciously do it, we, we attach value to who we voted for um, or what side of the aisle we come upon. And in reality, politics has become a huge, huge monster of an idol in our society today. So we really have to convict our hearts on so many levels to not only combat this idol, but to make sure that we don't fall into the trap that the devil is setting for us right now, which is very prominent, very prevalent, and very easy to fall into. Um, I have found myself falling into it several, several times. So today we're going to just talk about um, how that all that political divide relates to the cancel culture and where we should find ourselves, how we should interact with family members that don't, um, or or friends, um, or people on the internet that don't share our same views, how we should respond to them in a Christian manner, um, and what loving our neighbor looks like today, because it looks very different than it did, um, you know, 2,000 years ago. Or does it? Does it look the same? Um, we're going to kind of dive into that today and just talk about um, this giant elephant in the room. Um, you know, it's it's a touchy subject because do you preach on it at church as a pastor? I understand them not even wanting to go there um, and just sticking to the gospel and the message. But at that same time, um, so many of our brothers and sisters out there in Christ are dealing with this this terrible monster that is just ravishing our families and our friends and our relationships to the point where they're almost unsalvageable. And it doesn't have to be that way as Christians, and it shouldn't be that way. And that's not what God teaches us. Um, So we're going to look into um, what God says about, you know, responding to our neighbor and judgment and, and just how that all relates to this. Um, So welcome Um, If you're a new time listener here, I appreciate you so much, Um, and I'm glad that you found this. I hope that you recommend it to your friends if you get any um, enjoyment at all out of this podcast, and um, it's just a pleasure speaking with you guys. So I hope these conversations just open the door and maybe give you a different perspective 
than what you had before and help you a little bit in your Christian walk going forward. So let's get started today. All right, so let's just start from the very beginning. Okay, you encounter somebody, a friend, a family member, someone online that does not share your same view and they are coming at you um, in a confrontational way. How should we approach this? Because we've all had this done. We've all waded into waters of questionable, um, oftentimes uncomfortable political debate. So what should we do from this point? Um, I think it's important to understand the root and intention of every single thing we do as Christians. Um, because the internet is really, really good at giving us this 10,000 foot perspective of of what someone's interests, likes, and motivations are. What the internet does not do well is humanize people. It does not give us access into the deep realms of why that person's soul is consciously devoted to that way of thinking. It does not give us an insight onto why they think the way they think. And it is impossible to have a dialogue on the internet because you will never fully understand the intentions that come along with that person. So in that respect, I commit to not getting in political debates or um, really debates that, that involve anything past the surface level um, online or via text message because the devil has devised a way to dehumanize people. And I truly believe that is through social media and text messaging. Because when you think about it, when you're talking to somebody on the phone, you can understand their tone. You can understand the emotion in their voice. It brings a sense of humanity when you're talking either face-to-face, in person, or on the phone with somebody. Um, You're able to have a deeper dialogue of conversation You're not waiting extended amounts of time to get a response. It's not a heated short response. Um, It's more thought out. It's more planned. um, And there's more humanity in it. So so it's really important, I think, not to put too much time and energy into these conversations that you're having online um, or through text message. Um, That's why it's a lot harder to say something to somebody in person than it is to say it online. Um, Hence why we have so many keyboard warriors and things like that. Um, And so many arguments online. It's because we lose that humanity. And I think the devil really, really takes advantage of the ability to dehumanize us as humans and lose that personal connection that we share when we talk on the phone or we talk face-to-face about a concept, a topic, a discussion. So with that, um, I think it's really, really important to understand First of all, where someone is coming from, because ultimately when you think about politics and political division um, and, and who we vote for and why we vote for them, we are all extremely selfish individuals. By our nature, we are going to vote for a candidate whose policies benefit us. We're not going to vote for somebody whose policies don't benefit us. There's There's no logic to that. Um, it's just, it's how we work. It's our selfish nature. Um, so we have to realize that there's so many different people in different points in their life. Um, some are poor, 
Some are middle class, some are wealthy, some own their own businesses, some farm. Um, for example, you know, us as farmers, we want, we want um, fair markets and we want good prices. So we are going to, we, we have a business. It's still a small business. Um, so we are going to vote for a candidate generally that promotes um, fair trade and good crop prices, things like that. Now, if you have a different life experience, for example, if you grew up poor um, and you relied heavily on government assistance, you might have a worldview that leads you to think that um, government subsidies and things like food stamps, uh, health care, things like that um, are beneficial um, because you've, you personally use them and you personally need them. So you're always going to vote for a candidate that basically fulfills your own benefits. Um, and so I think it's important to just remember that we all come from different backgrounds, different different life experiences that make us into the people we are today and give us different perspectives. And so there's a great opportunity in learning from one another and learning that, you know, we can tap into a whole other life that we never knew just by asking questions and, and prodding and, and poking a little bit around and, and asking these questions like, why do you feel this way? Um, what does equality mean to you? I read an interesting article the other day about how um, equality to a Democrat can mean equality of outcome, um, while equality for a conservative generally means equality of opportunity. So it's two totally different things. Outcome means everybody shares the same outcome, regardless of how hard you work. Opportunity means everybody has that same opportunity. And then what you do with it from there is your choice. So it's just an interesting perspective that equality can mean similar things and very different things at the same time. So just understanding um, cutting through all of these politically loaded terms like equality, fairness, rights, for example, since they mean so much, so many different things to different people, it's important to cut through all of that fluffiness and find out what it really means to that person. Um, work hard, you know, really work hard to try to understand what that person is saying and where they're coming from. Don't just assume. Um, you want to always assume that person has good intentions for somebody in society. Maybe it's not necessarily benefiting you, but always assume that they have good intentions. And so I just think it's really important to always ask, what do you mean by that? It's such a simple question that, um, you know, you can just ask it 50 times in this same dialogue just to get a better understanding of their reality and what it means to them. Um, and it, it'll just be such a fruitful and engaging conversation if you're open to what they have to say. Don't just shut them down or think that, um, you know, your way is the right way and your political worldview is, is the only way. Um, we all have such diverse opinions, right? So why would we think that our political views should not follow the same pattern? Um, and it's, it's really important also to always move the conversation forward, always be moving the conversation forward, um, and to uncover the beliefs, um, about why those political views are there. So you need to understand the person first, 
um, uncover and discuss underlying beliefs. Like maybe they had a different background growing up. Maybe they've dealt with um, struggling with healthcare costs and things like that, or a medical diagnosis that caused them to go in a bunch of debt. And now they have a passion for healthcare. Try to understand why and how they came to that conclusion. It's really important to just um, give that person opportunity to expand on their thoughts. And by not just shutting them down with what you believe to be true, you are opening their heart to to a more changeable place. We will never, ever, ever change somebody's mind by arguing with them. It's just not how it works. When someone argues with you, your automatic um, defense is to argue back your point. Um, And that's where we get in trouble. By keeping an open mind and an understanding and an empathy, we can question things and we can understand and we might be able to change our own worldview. And I think that's a great thing when we once held a view and we have a discussion with someone and we come back with a different perspective. I think that's a great thing. Um, and so it's just really important to have those hard conversations. So another really important point is really, really try hard to understand their point of views. Again, they have a different life perspective than us. And sometimes it's also important to let them get the last word in. What? Can we do that? Can we let them get the last word in? Can we lose an argument? Yes, we can. And it doesn't necessarily mean we're wrong because the point of every argument doesn't have to be to walk away with the last sticking point. We need to humble ourselves. And, you know, if it's a heated discussion, the, the, the last thing you want to do is you know, leave that with a very uneasy feeling because these are still your friends. These are still your family. Um, and you want to, you want to walk away with a new understanding rather than anger because it doesn't do anything to further the kingdom by arguing your point with somebody so much to the point where they just think you're full of hate, right? So we want to be slow to anger and we want to be open and compassionate and understanding. So I think it's, it's really, really important to realize that. Another really good point is that we don't need to split up the church because of our political views. You know, I've heard so many um, Christians say, you know, I just, I, there's nothing on the Democratic platform that I can agree with. You know, they're pro-LGBTQ. They're... Um, you know, pro-abortion. There's just nothing, there's no way a Christian could vote for them. And then you hear Democrats on the other side saying, you know, Christians don't care. I don't know how you could be a Christian and be a Republican because you have no care for the poor. Um, You have no care to take care of people that are impoverished, and that's exactly what the Bible talks about. The truth is no political party is representative of Christ. And when we look back on the examples, there are plenty of examples in the Bible where while Jesus walked the earth, he was trying, there were people trying to trap him into a political argument. So it's actually pretty relevant to what we're talking about right now. And so if we go back and we look at um, some of those examples, it's, it's just 
amazing to me that, you know, he went through these, these very same things. Um, and it was political back then and it's, it's political now. So let's just take a minute and just zip back in time and see how Jesus handled and dealt with these very same things that we are going through today. So just one good example, um, is Jesus offering a third option. Okay, so he found himself in a very political environment where a lot of the people of the time wanted to play gotcha politics, um, which is very similar to what we see today. You know, we see people, for example, I saw there's an account called Feeding Littles on um, Instagram. And when they figured out that this other account, Taking Care of Babies, um, was giving donations to Trump, the Trump campaign, the Republican campaign, um, they totally basically seized ties with them and basically said, we just can't be friends anymore, um, which I think is, is absolutely ridiculous. Um, it's, it's beyond ridiculous and it's beyond being unchristian. I mean that if you're willing to cut somebody off based on who they voted for, um, you have a moral superiority that says that you think that political affiliation is the absolute most important thing that defines a person. And, and it's sad if we've gotten to that point because there's so much more that makes a human worthy. And that's not where we put our worth. We don't put our worth in a political affiliation. We can't put our worth there because Politics are not God. Politics are not what makes us human. They're not what gives us value. And so when we de decline to talk to people, to talk to friends or family members that share different political views than us, we have made politics a humongous idol in our lives um, because that is where we are assigning that person's value and that person's worth. And we just can't do that. That is just not productive to the faith. And it's really harmful to our own faith and our own walk with Christ because it tells us a lot about where we have put our hearts and our spirits and our souls. And so I think it's important to never count somebody out just because of who they vote for or what they do. Just like one person makes a mistake, you know, that our culture again throws this, you know, toxic label on them. Um, if they harm you once, they're labeled toxic and you throw them out. Um, you just don't want them in your life anymore because they don't give you positive vibes and they don't benefit you and they don't suit you. And it's all about self. That is not how Christ operates. Christ operates out of love and forgiveness and grace that we don't deserve. He operates out of forgiveness and understanding and pursuing us despite how broken and weak and wretched we are. He doesn't say, oh, you voted for Biden or you voted for Trump. You're, you're a bigot or a liberal leftist Democrat. You know, I, I, you are no longer worthy of knowing me. I mean, can you just imagine if Christ treated us the way we treat other people right now in this political climate? If Christ associated who we voted for or what we did 
based on the type of human that we were. I mean, we would all be doomed. We would all be doomed. And I just think that this political climate is, does a really good job of placing our value into one action, who you voted for. And it's so misrepresentative of the magnitude of humanity as a whole and, and all that a human spirit encompasses. We're so much more complex than a dotted bubble on a page once every four years. And so we just have to keep the perspective that Christ was forgiveness embodied. And we need to be forgiveness embodied and non-judgmental to other people that don't share our views. Because God does not care about political affiliation. He cares about the heart. He cares about the condition of our souls. That's what he cares about. Yes, it's important to advocate for causes that are important to your heart, but what's not important is when you come into that space where loving your neighbor no longer becomes your priority. That is what is is, is harmful. So anyways, I'm going to go back to the story. Um, sorry, I got a little um, off topic there where Jesus represents the third option, okay? So we'll zip down to um, Matthew 22, 15 through 22, okay? So religious leaders wanted to label Jesus as either a liberal, a one-world order kind of guy, or a conservative rebel for securing one's rights against the oppressive Roman government, okay? And they did it by asking a simple question, but it was meant to trap him, and that was the whole point of it. And this is a famous question that a lot of people, again, politicize. Is it right to pay the imperial tax to Caesar or not? So Jesus could have simply answered yes or no to this, right? He could have said yes, which meant he was a liberal Jew who saw benefits to canceling the cultural distinctive and becoming part of the larger global empire, okay? Or he could have said no, which would make him a conservative Jew, demanding freedom, to be anonymous and free from controls um, required by the prevailing occupying government. Okay, sound pretty similar today. Um, and so we could also answer yes or no to people's questions and just leave it at that um, on any matter that's political. But Jesus didn't. What he did instead was he held up a coin and he asked whose image was on it. And they said, and then he said, give to Caesar what is Caesar's, and give to God what is God's. He didn't say yes or no. He didn't, you know, get into a long-winded debate. Um, he just kept it short and simple, and he refocused the focus on God. Okay, he separated man from God. I think that's an important distinction to make there. He made a distinction between government, which we should respect, that's biblical, and God, who we should worship. That's important. Worship versus respect. Okay, very important. Where you place your values is an indicator of who you worship. Do you worship government? Do you put your values in a party, a political affiliation? Or do you worship God and put your values in his standards, his biblical standards, what the Bible says for your life? Is that who you worship? Very important, okay, distinction there. 
And so I encourage you to just ask yourself that. So a second example um, was, okay, so the second example um, was when a woman was thrown out of him um, after being caught in the act of adultery. So this is found in John chapter 8. Conservatives wanted the death penalty for this woman because at the time, adultery was like murder of, say, an infant or a child, something that would be just so provocatively wicked to today's standards um, that it would require the death penalty, okay? Liberals wanted to feel that she had done nothing wrong and she should be free to go in the grace of God, okay? So they just wanted her to have a free pass, and conservatives thought she needed to be held accountable for her actions, okay? counter this same thing so much in our society um, where various sides think that you know, they should be held accountable, but, you know, that side thinks that that person should get a free pass and vice versa. It happens on both sides, um, you know, of the political aisle. So let's look at the story. What happened? Jesus said that she was guilty and that the first person who was not guilty of any sin should be the first to throw the first stone. You hear the pin dropping right there? That is like mic drop. Okay. Um, You could probably hear just complete utter silence in the crowd because Jesus, his third option was to convict your personal heart. Okay. It wasn't to um, kill the woman necessarily, but it was to convict the hearts of everybody else. Again, pointing to the importance of repentance. So everybody left. um, And then after Jesus asked the woman where her accusers went, she asked where the accusers went. And he said that they would not accuse her, but she had to go and sin no more. Okay. She did not get a free pass. She did not get the death penalty. She was called to change her ways, to repent, to turn from evil. That, again, shows God's mercy, God's grace on our lives. So I think looking at that example, that it's important for us to show the same grace that Christ showed that woman. Notice, he didn't, um, he didn't back down. I mean, he didn't admit that she, was, she got a free pass and she just could go do whatever she wanted to. He convicted her based on the truth that we believe, which is found in the Bible. That's the truth that we, we stand on as believers. He still convicted her. She was a sinful woman. But he had grace and he had mercy on her. And we should, we should have that same attitude towards um, people that we disagree with, people that we don't share the same views with. But in order to get that far, um, we need to have that healthy discussion um, that is not ego-driven. It's not out of a place of pride. Um, It's calm. It's even-tempered. It's it's showing the fruits of the Spirit. Um, Patience, kindness, gentleness, slow to anger, love, all of those good things that um, are fruitful in our lives. And I think it's just really important to continue to carry that same attitude in all of our conversations that we have um, and and never give up on people. You know, that's, I wanted to talk briefly about this cancel culture and I mentioned it 
it's just so sad to me that we can't cohabitate with people that have different views than us. It's getting to the point where if you voted for a certain person, you're no longer worthy of my conversation, my time, my space, my effort. And we just need to be cognizant that, you know, Christ didn't give up on us. He never gives up on us. It's a continual pursuement of us, despite how flawed or sinful we are. And, you know, we can look at friends and family members and we can get really discouraged by how far down one path or another, um, that they've gone, rather that be, um, you know, just the general political divide or rather that be like a lot of these conspiracy groups that are forming, you know, and we can get really discouraged by seeing just how far off they are, um, compared to what we think they should be. But if we just cut those people out of our lives, they may lose the only sense of normalcy and reality and, and difference in perspective that they're getting. And we're doing them no good by just letting them get sheltered in their little bubble. You know, you are such a good example to unbelievers, whether you realize it or not. You are the, sometimes the best example that they will ever have in their entire life. So we can't cut out unbelievers from our circle just because we think we're morally superior to them. In the same way, we can't cut out people that have different opinions and different views than us just because we don't agree with them. Um, and we shouldn't cancel them. We shouldn't label them as toxic or crazy or, um, you know, because we just don't understand how they got that view. And it's important to ask those questions and to probe a little deeper and Maybe in asking those questions and asking for sources and breaking apart um, their life experiences that have led them up to that, you can change the way they think and maybe help them see a different perspective um, that maybe they're not getting now. Because again, highly recommend watching The Social Dilemma if you've never seen that because this goes way more into depth. But we are getting fed on our news feeds. Um, we have crafted out, you know, either a conservative timeline or a liberal timeline. Um, and we only see our same points of view. So we think that everybody shares our points of views when in reality, that's not the case. You know, everybody has a very diverse set of opinions. Um, and so we get bitter when we see other people that don't think like us. Um, we think, you know, aren't they seeing the same news that we are? Don't they see what I'm seeing on my newsfeed? And that's not necessarily true. They may not be seeing that um, because their timeline is set up completely different and they're getting a completely different experience than you are. So again, it's just very, very important to just dive and, and probe into those people and don't give up on them because they need you more than anybody else. You know, I, I was so sinful in my youth. I was just wretched in God's eyes. I mean just so wretched. But I can tell you, if I didn't have a neighbor that offered to pick me up and take me to church, I would not have the strong relationship that I do today with Christ. Because that person, despite the, the fact that I was dirt poor and I had nothing to my name, and I came from a very impoverished, you know, drug addict father, and just very bad situation, she didn't judge me for that. 
She didn't judge me for having a different set of political views than her. She didn't judge me for making poor decisions with my life. What she did was she showed me the love of Christ and it changed my life completely. And so it's, it's a good message to just remember that you are oftentimes the absolute best example of Christ that some people will ever see in their whole life. And so giving up on them is not the answer because Christ does not give up on us. He does not. He fights for us and he pursues us. And I will always tell my children, you know, don't be afraid to be friends with people that aren't like you. People that don't share your level of family income. That don't share your your same likes um, or your same interest. Be friends with people that are lost. Be friends with people that are hurting and show them the love of Christ. You know, we can be strong in our faith and be such good examples to these people in this divisive time right now. We can show them the love of Christ. We can show them forgiveness and mercy and put it into perspective that politics is just a very small tool in reality. You know, we make so much more of a difference in our communities and in our families and in our small friend circles than we do online or you know, even a vote, you know, there's so much legislation that has to pass to truly make an impact on things. Not saying it's not important, but in reality, politics is so small and loving our neighbor and working hard and having integrity and character. Those are the things that make a difference. Those are the things that people see and remember us for. And those are the things they should remember us for, how we made them feel and what we did to serve them and reach out to them. Um, you know, you, you never want to be remembered as the person that was argumentative and fought with everybody and shoved their opinion, you know, down everybody's throats to try to be right. It's prideful and it's a sin. Um, so instead, just engage, ask meaningful questions and check the ego at the door. You don't have to be right. I like to go into conversations thinking, my goal here is not to be right, but to learn something new that I didn't know before. So I always ask people, what led you to having this perspective? Why do you feel the way you do? What is what has crafted you into believing that this is so important, for example? Um, and I always try to make that my goal to walk away from a conversation having learned something rather than having to be right. Because pride is pride is a very destructive sin, and it is one that Americans especially are just facing hugely right now, and we ought to convict ourselves on it. We don't always have to be right, um, and we don't always have to change somebody's mind. Sometimes just showing them that love and that grace can change their mind alone just by asking a question. You know, they might think, well, why this, this person isn't trying to shove their opinion down my throat? Like what, what's different about them? You know, what's, why are they, you know, so different from everybody else? And then it, it, it's a great witness for Christ at the end of the day, because you are different. You're not like the world. And so it can just be a beautiful thing. And I think there's so much opportunity in a world where everybody just wants to cancel anybody that makes a mistake or believes a certain way. There's so much opportunity for grace 
to prevail and for Christ's love to prevail and to be a good witness and have a good conversation and be different. We can be different and it's so hard, but it's so worth it. And please, whatever you do, do not let it ruin your family relationships. Don't let it ruin your friendships. Just keep on the narrow path. Love God, love others. And Realize that politics should not be a huge part of our life. It has just consumed us in America. But in reality, you know, people remember us by the type of person we are and how we make them feel. And that's the legacy we want to leave behind. Um, And so it's a great opportunity to witness to others. So I'll leave it at that today. Um, This is just something that's been weighing heavy on my heart. And I think that, you know... It's something that we are going to see a lot more of in the future. Um, And as Christians, I just think it's really important to use every opportunity we can to live differently because we're called to live on the narrow path. And um, this is just a trend that I see the whole world just flocking to. Um, Everybody sees it. I mean, it's dividing churches and families and, um, you know, it talks about in the Bible how families will turn against one another. Um, you know, these are a sign of the end times and it's important to just be vigilant and realize that, um, you know, it may only get worse and it may only turn into a different form of persecution. And we just have to be really strong in our faith and strong in our character and our witness and stay away from idols and stay away from pride, um, and different sins like that, that just lead us to destruction. So, Anyways, I hope that that motivated you guys a little bit. Maybe you look at things differently. Maybe you've got some ideas um, to facilitate better conversations with people that you don't necessarily know. Keep your circle broad. Always keep your circle broad. Keep your friends um, from all different opinions, all different walks of life. Don't be afraid to get outside of your bubble and meet somebody new and ask them a question. And ask them why they feel the way they feel. Because you will be amazed at what you learn. Um, people are so diverse. And they have so much to offer us. And diversity is the beauty of of God's creation. You know, that we're all so different and have different life experiences. So I hope that you go out this week and you, you meet somebody new. You have a good conversation with somebody. You practice these skills. You think about what um, Jesus set forth as an example um, in the Bible and you really just put these to practice and pray on them, pray on them, change your perspective. And I just hope this conversation lifted you up and blesses your week. And as always, um, always keep God first and don't be afraid to live differently. Always take the narrow path. And I hope you guys have a blessed and wonderful week.